Infiltrator. Good luck, McGibbets. The fate of the world is in your hands. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Let it be known, as the manual states, that this is a top, 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 top secret mission. Okay, <laughs> this is not just a top secret mission. This is something that only Johnny Jimbo Baby McGibbets can handle. <laughs> and if you haven't heard of him, that's because that's how good of a secret it is. Right. Nobody knows uh, Top Spy Johnny Jimbo Baby. Um, and also the last name of Gibbets is kind of funny, too. So it's just all funny all around. We made <laughs> fun of Clash of Demon Heads Engine of Destruction title. But I think uh, Jimbo Baby is the idea of like somebody who could be like a 007 is just <laughs> uh, you know right on the nose, too. For uh, you know, It's up there in terms of worst titles I've ever heard. Yeah, this, yeah, I think... this game, uh, back to front, is you can tell that it is just like one guy's very specific humor, and in this <laughs> case, it's like someone very lame. I'm not, I'm not saying that as like an insult. Like you can still be cool and have incredibly lame humor, but the entire like instruction manual, like all this plot framing stuff, it's like it's not dad jokes. But it's just like really, really cringy uh, goofball stuff. Yeah, it feels like it's like Dr. Seuss writing like a military infiltration <laughs> yeah. story. And then like the game itself isn't quite like that. It's, it's kind of like the game is played pretty straight. It's just all this other stuff. Right. Right, and even his idea of like what a um, evil villain would look like, uh, you know, this green guy who wears like a, a you know, a cape or has a hood over his head, like, what is that? That's like a cartoon <laughs> character of a villain that doesn't feel like it exists in this world that he's created, which, and keep in mind what kind of game we're playing here, we're basically playing for the most part a uh, helicopter combat flight simulator with some loose ground missions. Uh, where you have to infiltrate bases on top of that. Most people will maybe never make it out of the helicopter stuff, and that's why they let you skip to the ground mission if you're not so lucky. But I don't know, like, that that whole, like, plot of what Johnny, uh, Jimbo Baby McGibbets, and the, you know, you got to infiltrate these bases, and it, like, it, it's not taking itself seriously. It's actually kind of funny, but it just doesn't feel like it's matching well with the rest of the gameplay world. No, it's it's pretty... There, there, yeah, there's definitely two worlds here. There's the, uh, again, like with how goofball the story and framing stuff are, like, not only is he this like weird green guy in a mask, very, uh, classically cartoon villain in how he's illustrated, but it's also implying that, uh, he is the leader of a nation like a sovereign nation that has this kind of like like oh i would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids but it's specifically mcgibbets um that always like foils his international plans and then you go on to having to uh figure out the heading and the uh 
the radio frequency to get your GPS uh, synced and uh, you have to take into account wind and it's there's so such weird juxtapositions between the game and everything else. Yeah, because it really feels like with that opening that you're going to go into some kind of Metal Gear Solid world, right? Or not Metal Gear Solid, but Metal Gear, like we played on the NES, like that kind yeah. of world where you're just running around, going inside of bases, uh, collecting information and trying to take down the, I, I think his name is just Mad Leader. I don't think they even gave him an official yeah, he's name just or anything. Mad Leader. Yeah, so... You're right, Sean. It is a little strange that when you finally do boot up the game, it does give you the option to start with the helicopter mission or go right to the ground mission, but the helicopter mission is the implied first thing to do. So if you start there, you see an incredibly detailed uh, helicopter HUD that you then have to, like, you know, you could start, you could do what I did. I started the helicopter, saw that, you know, the engine was running and everything and everything was going up. And then I immediately crashed my helicopter because I just didn't even bother to look at the controls yet. And turns out, um, you know, I just wasn't using the yoke correctly. And I steered this thing straight into the ground without even taking it off, which is funny. I'm glad that it lets you do that. But that also told me what kind of game I was going to be playing. <laughs> so then I went back to the manual and I think now I can fly a helicopter in real life. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a well, very I had the same kind of uh, th that same kind of feeling in the beginning. It was very much like that air like that side scrolling like world war ii plane game i forgot the name of it um where you have to take off and you think when you're when you start playing this game then like oh, okay i'll just press the button to go and then it'll take off for me and then you'll go right off the airstrip and crash into the field right in front of you I don't, it was a pretty early game uh if you remember it but it's very much like that yeah, I, I, you know, I always try to uh, play the game for a couple minutes before looking at the manual, at least. But this one, I was just like, I, I took like one look at the at the cockpit, and I was like, I don't think I'm, there's going to be much of a chance. I couldn't even get to the point where I crashed because I never would have guessed that before you can do anything, you need to start the engine using the start button. So like, definitely like not. Um, like intuitive up to this point based on like the control schemes we're used to. I, I definitely needed the manual to do anything uh, right, right off right. the get-go. Joe, that's because the start button is usually what you use to pause a game and then unpause it. So I guess they were just thinking, no, this is the start button is start your engines. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot more sense than, uh, than it, than it seems like it does. But, uh, just because, uh, we're conditioned to not think of the pause button as the start button as a, uh, Something that like interacts with the game. Yeah, it's kind of outsider art in that way. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's the start button. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you so much as figure out starting, you know, and these things are not hard once you look at the manual and actually learn the controls. Like, even if you start the helicopter and then start takeoff appropriately once you've reached a certain amount of um, rotations per minute and everything and get up in there and then you're moving around and you're making sure, you know, you can kind of figure out like, Am, am I diving? Am I climbing? Am I just going straight? How do I turn? Like, you can figure out that stuff. It still doesn't mean you're going to find any success in this game because there are so many... Basically, everything that it looks like can be pushed or can be, uh, like, played around with on this helicopter actually can be. And you should be doing it because you're going to have to be doing stuff like that because 
You'll have to monitor your fuel. You'll have to, as Sean mentioned, put in the GPS coordinates on your radio to make sure that you actually have the uh, location of the Mad Leader's base appropriately targeted. So this way uh, you can follow that GPS and go where uh, it wants you to, because otherwise you'll just be flying around for no good reason. And then you have to also measure, like, you know, am I at an appropriate altitude? Or are any of my emergency lights blinking? Uh, How's my battery gauge? It's like, I get it, but this isn't the game for that, right? Like, it's amazing that that there's even anything else in this game other than just learning how to fly a helicopter in an empty grassland. Like, it's incredible that there are also, on top of that, enemies and an entire ground mission filled with all different other kinds of objectives and gameplay. Yeah, the the main thing that you're, aside from the breathing and sweating and, like, all those, like, automatic, uh, like, bodily functions is the, uh, um, the simile I'm gonna use here. Um, all those things like flying the, the helicopter and making sure you don't crash and you're actually going to a place. Like, the main thing that you're doing in this half of the game is, like, playing is like saying hello to people and playing a guessing game as to whether they're your friend or foe. Like you're going to be going back to your radio, which a sidebar, the only place where not everything means something uh, like in your cockpit is the radio where you only really need to look at the top, like fifth of the screen and everything is just, everything else is just blinking lights to make it look complex. Um, and you have to say, like, oh, hey, helicopter, who are you? And then the helicopter will be like, oh, my name's Buzz. Uh, what's your name? And then you'll have to be, okay, do I tell him that I'm, that I'm an infiltrator or do I pretend to be one of the evil empire? And then, depending on how you respond, it'll, uh, it'll either start a battle because you picked wrong uh, and that, that plane, or sorry, that helicopter was actually... Uh, somebody that's working for the evil guy when you thought he was working for the resistance or however you want to phrase it. Um, or it'll be like, all right, good to meet you. See you later. And then, then the fight starts. So there's like three different aspects just to this mode that you're always going to be struggling to stay afloat, just flying the helicopter. Yeah. And, and Mike, I think to your point, when you said like, this isn't the game, We've had we've had other games that have this simulating like first person flying some sort of vehicle, whether it's a plane or a spaceship or whatever. Um, that I think I've said in those that I could see a a state of mind I could be in where I suddenly I get very invested in in learning this and like kind of getting good at this um at this simulation. But for this, there it, it feels like it's it added the this simulation thing for the sake of being thorough. But it doesn't complement the gameplay. I mean, the the fact that, like you said, you have to you have to type in the the what is the exact not coordinates, but whatever the number is on your on your GPS, if you will, whatever the heck this is. Um, and all you really are doing is going into one of these sub menus, finding the number, going out of the sub menu, and putting the number in. It's like that that doesn't this isn't translate this any sort of interesting or fun gameplay it's just like a thing that you shouldn't forget to do which i can understand that in something that is more of a simulation but this feels like it is supposed to be more of like an adventure you're 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 on a stealth mission it, that just feels like 
this extra bit that's that doesn't fit here. I mean, I kind of like the idea of something that tries to represent every aspect of whatever the game is about. Like in uh like in Gran Turismo, it's not just about racing, it's about tuning your car and like getting licenses for something and I don't know, in some other games you'll like oh getting uh uh getting sponsors and then whatever else. Like I, I kinda like that and like if and it's sort of like the 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 version of that for a eight bit stealth game um which i don't think is a bad idea on paper the problem here is that this is very much a a, a simulation to the t made by somebody that doesn't understand anything <laughs> uh which i think is cool in its own way but it very much comes across like oh yeah, this three-digit number is a is just a GPS for any. You could put in a three-digit number, you could go anywhere, and you will know this from some other screen on your on your laptop in your helicopter. Like none of it makes sense, but all the details are there. Yeah, I mean it's like you're calibrating it in some way or whatever. Like what my issue with it is, it's not like you can get it wrong. It's not like you can you can screw it up or or not be able to find the number. The number's just there in the menu. You just got to plug it in every time, which just makes me feel like why why isn't it just there already? <laughs> like yeah, right, Sean. I don't disagree actually with what you were saying with Gran Turismo and um you know like NBA two K games or something that like you know they include like some extra flair into them. But you got to remember in Gran Turismo, even if you go to like the driving school to get your different driver's licenses and you have to pass the tests <laughs> and then you have to you know, buy some weird car and tune it up. And, you know, you don't think about that kind of stuff when you're playing a more like, you know, cruising USA or something. But now it's like, well, what do I want fifth gear to be? Like you have to set that stuff in Gran Turismo for it to really work. But it's always about driving. Yes. This game is like if No Man's Sky also took the like, you know, space uh, ship exploration part and made it so that you had to like read up on like how they traveled to the moon and like how those spa- how spaceships like actually work and how to, well, you that, know, like. Yeah, that makes it more a parallel to like something closer to Elite Dangerous. Which right, is just, right. <laughs> yeah, simulating things that don't exist. Um, which, I, yeah, that's a better, that's a better analogy. There. Yeah. And I guess I, what I mean is, is just that no man's sky understood the assignment for the spaceship portion. Like there's that game lets you do so many things you can, that's what the whole, whole game's about, but it understood where not to add unnecessary features. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the, the problem that this one has is if it, if it was just about flying a helicopter and sneaking past enemies in order to get to the base, you might be able to get away with that. But because it mostly relies on the part that you were talking about where you're just using the radio to ID other aircrafts as soon as you possibly can in order to avoid combat. The ID codes is not only a weird gameplay experience because it's the one thing that doesn't have to do with flying the actual helicopter. You're in a uh, static screen when you're in the the radio portion. It's not like the, the helicopter is still moving or anything. You just see an aircraft, you immediately ask for an ID before, because if you don't ask for the ID, then they will ask you for an ID, in which case you'll have to guess. But if you ask them first, this is where the game kind of gets broken. Because first, there's no way to know. Like, the first time you play this game, there's no way to know, without cheating, whether somebody is good or bad. But then, on all future 
uh, versions of this game that you ever play ever again, there's only like 12 ID codes. So as long as you can remember the six on the good and the six on the bad, <laughs> you'll never struggle again with having to do any kind of helicopter combat, which is like half of the complicated features of this mode. And it just basically becomes a a uh, helicopter flying simulator where you're just waving pretending to be the good and the bad guy depending on who shows up and then sneaking your way into a, the ground well the, the one thing that they did say in the manual and i don't know if i ever came across this because i was never perfect at iding these guys is that there will be some that always attack you because they've got helicopter madness or something. <laughs> the, the, no matter how you respond, they've just been in that helicopter for too long. Um, so there's always a chance that you'll get... It's not into, a submarine. How long can you be in a helicopter? No, I don't know. <laughs> that they've been infiltrators for too long. I don't know what the oh, okay. actual explanation is. It's like we've been is. in the air for too long. Yeah. We, can't, we haven't found the ground. Yeah. Judge, judging even by the fuel in, in these helicopters, it's not very long because <laughs> yeah. the fuel runs out pretty fast. And if the fuel doesn't kill you, the battery will because the battery is the, in this version of the game again, is the fun killer because you're not allowed to go too fast or else your battery is going to start to overheat and then your warning lights are going to turn on and great you know it's fun that everything in the helicopter is interactive and everything but don't stop me from having a good time <laughs> yeah I, well, I go ahead Joe I, I was going to say I think that that's uh, that all of this simulate the simulate heavy focus is what Stop me from having a good time with other things that could have been a little more fun, like combat. I think they had some kind of cool stuff we haven't seen before, like like firing flares to 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 like distract heat seeking missiles. And there are like a couple different like methods of well, there's a couple there's like two methods of firing. There's two methods of evading or or deflecting different types of fire. But it's just it's just it's still on this. HUD on the screen where you have to like cycle through yeah. the buttons on your on your like cockpit and then select it and then fire whatever the thing is in the split second that you see something shooting at you. I mean it's almost you almost just have to preemptively know what you're going to do next and be ready for it. But like you can't I mean I guess you could react in time but it's it doesn't feel like like an actually game, it nah. feels like, like, oh my god, what are my instructions are going to have to do really fast to to get to this point in the combat? So I feel like even it like stepped on its own toes of trying to be these two different things. Yeah, this is not the game for everything that they put in the game. Like you have chaff, you have flares, you have torpedoes or whatever, you have just a regular gun, but you're not going to be able to cycle through eight different options, four of which are the weapons. The other four are sort of auxiliary things like the radio, like making your helicopter inexplicably quiet, uh, turbo. Like, you're not going to be able to have a an engaging, like, dogfight when everything is so clunky like that. So it was a fun exercise for him to give him goofy names and, and add more character to the manual, but... Whenever I got into a fight, it was just, all right, I got to use the machine gun. It's the only one that I can get to actually, like, hit the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to further, like, emphasize the clunkiness of all of this is that you have, on, in, on your cockpit, you have 
on on the left side you have all your like weapons and defenses on the right side you have all your other like interfaces there's four of each they're not even like in a row and you have to scroll through them so it gets confusing already when you're like scrolling down 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 now you're on the right side and you got to think like okay if i go back up will i end up on the bottom of the yeah. options on the right side or on the top i mean it sounds simple enough but like in the moment it gets kind of confusing and you're using start and select to scroll up and down it's just it's just all around it's like very it throws you off right and i thought start would stop my engine but that's just <laughs> right. a one time function exactly yeah, yeah. All right, so say that you managed to get to the secret base of the Mad Leader, uh, which isn't like the main hideout. There's several. Uh, that's, the, that's like the gameplay loop. Is first you fly the helicopter, program the coordinates using the automatic direction finder, and then when you get there, you have a ground mission. And in these ground missions, um, it is more like Metal Gear on the NES, uh, that kind of layout. Uh, not exactly a top-down, but... You get the idea. You're walking around a compound. You have to sneak your way around and then get inside the buildings, one of the buildings, hopefully the correct building, and find a security key card that will then let you um, gain access to a specific thing for each level. So, um, you know, in one mission, it's collecting chemical containers. And in the like final mission, it's about exploding his uh, missiles in the missile control rooms that are spread out throughout the thing. The problem with this one and I'm, I hate to get negative right away but the problem is that there is a timer and there is no there's no clues there's no um there's no briefing there's no way to know really where to go you just go into the first building and hope that the security guard is the security card is somewhere inside there after you explore every room if it's not there you got to go to the next building if it's not there you got to go to the other building all the while there are items that you have at your disposal in case you have to deal with any enemies the papers being the easiest of the tricks somehow you have papers that identify you as one of the bad guys and for most people uh, most enemies in the game they're going to say stop show me your papers you show them the papers and they go these look in order carry on and you just continue to do that and hopefully um you're sneaky enough so that if you're going through a cabinet they aren't looking in your direction to notice that you're going through a cabinet. But that's the majority of the game is, once again, very similar to the IDing of aircrafts. It's about showing the papers and just convincing the people that you are who you say you are because of a piece of paper, not anything you've actually done in the game. Yeah, and with the papers, if it truly is most of the time uh, that they'll just be like, all right, you're good to go, it's got to be like, 55% because I thought that it was like a coin flip anytime that I was I was near a guy I showed him the papers yeah he'd say you're good to go but also it seemed just as likely for him to be like these are th th this is completely an outrage and then you'd have to quickly go into the menu and switch to sleeping gas and knock him out uh, to carry on your way and then that, that that just adds into it. You can be in the same room, have just shown your papers, and he's like, yep, these look good. And then if you just, like, stay close to him for too long, he'd be like, hey, you, show me your papers. Like, they, they're all goldfish. And, <laughs> uh, and it's very strange. Like, I don't know what their view cones are like, but you'll either be standing right next to him and they don't see you, or you'll be 
like across the room and they'll see you and vice versa and always with this like I just talked to you you need me to do this again and if cuz if you try to ignore them uh they'll just start a uh a, an area wide alert and you have to go and find the like alarm off I don't I think that's a part of it and th- then you're pretty much done now one thing that I think that these uh sequences are trying to get you to do is to memorize where everything is. Like, yeah, on the first one, you're probably not going to get everywhere in that 10 minutes, but you've done some uh, research by failing, and you get, like, five attempts, I think, before it kind of games over. Now, thankfully, if you're on level one, that's just the same as a continue, but uh, I'm sure if you get to level three, it's not... It's it, Like, you have to use your password... So it's still like tedious and monotonous. I kind of get where the design was coming from, but it's kind of it's still kind of goofy. Yeah, I also felt that it was fifty-fifty for when you show the papers, and I was—I mean, I was experimenting with a lot of different methods to see what causes them to believe you or not. And I mean, I, there was a period of time where I was convinced that, like, for some people, you have to hold the the a button and other people you just need to press it once i don't remember why exactly uh i got onto that like <laughs> that thought process but like it felt for a while i was very convinced and then suddenly it just like flipped on its head and it wasn't working the way i thought it was anymore so i don't know i still like feel like there is some uh, method or some like science behind it but i, I couldn't figure it out and then i just found that I started using, well, at least when I'm inside the building, started using sleeping gas instead of papers, which was much more effective. And I mean, presumably you run out of it eventually, but I never did. So the gameplay for me at this point just became, once I got into the building, just became going from room to room, putting everybody to sleep, searching things to almost no consequences, I guess, (laughs) other than time running out. (laughs) I think you do have limited charges. You just get a bunch of them. Yeah, I, I could see the like bar going down on the sleeping gas, but it I never was dangerously close to running out. And Joe, keep in mind that you know if you do get caught anyway, that's your solution is using the sleeping gas. So you were just one step ahead. You know, it's kind of like using a um a silencer pistol in Hitman, right? Like just well, they were probably going to see me anyway. So yeah. Might as well <laughs> yeah. take them out. Right. <laughs> well, that that prevents you from getting the. Uh... Uh, the the best score because you're not supposed to kill non-targets, but that's besides the point. Uh, what what I think could have made papers better and more engaging, um, is and this is assuming that it is random and there isn't actually a method to it. Uh, otherwise, I guess I just don't know how to use them. What I think could have been interesting is it, like yeah, you've got these forged documents. Like if you if those documents work in some places and in some places they don't like if like force some reasoning behind it so that it's actually a tool and not just a coin flip. Um, like I, I know in, uh, in these levels, there are places where you can get a different soldier's uniform, which is weird because it now makes you stick out like a sore thumb instead of like <laughs> yeah. wearing the same gear as everybody else. But it like, it makes it harder for them to spot you from a distance, I guess. But that one, like when that happened, and I don't know if this is just highly improbable, but it seemed like when I was wearing that, the papers didn't work at all. So 
obviously there's something going into it. Um, but if you had to like, I don't know, ad- adjust the papers and like, uh, like cross out something and add something else, I don't know, just to make it more engaging and not just this thing that you like default to all the time. Uh, that could have been fun, but at the end of the day, you're just, you're searching dressers 80% of the time. (laughs) Yeah. And I just want to say that I, I mean, like I said, I thought that there was some method to like maybe holding down the, the button at some points. I don't know if that's true, but I'll say that if, if I am right on that, that's really stupid. <laughs> like, for a game that's like supposed that's like trying to like simulate so much, what would that be simulating? Like some people respond better, like some people need to like really read it and other people like might catch it, catch what's wrong with it, so you got to pull it away really fast. I don't know. <laughs> like you're holding it longer in front of their face or something. I don't know. Like it just feels like no matter what like little thing might change it, if there is something, like why would that be the case anyway? Pulling it away too fast is uh is just suspicious. suspicious. Yeah. Yeah, but then other people holding it there for too long. It's like, okay, I get it. (laughs) I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) A guide suggests that it is completely random, and to further prove how random it is, it's not even consistent for the same guard. Uh, If you're in the room long enough, if the same guard interrogates you more than once, they might buy the papers twice in a row, or they might say, hey, wait a minute. Like, now, upon further inspection, they don't say that, obviously, but, like, that's, I guess, like, the story beat. But if the guard... If the guard is just completely random, even like Sean was saying, like, is they're goldfish, right? Like, they can't even remember that they've already asked you for the papers if you stay <laughs> in the room long enough. Then, yeah, it seems kind of pointless, especially because if they determine that the papers are out of order, it's not like you can do anything other than just put them to sleep, uh, which you have about, like, a second or so to do before the alarm goes off. And you don't want the alarm going off. So, unfortunately, you know, that's like... That's the crux of the of the game, no matter which ground mission you're in. The objective changes based on, like, what you do once you find the security card. I think in, like, in one level, you have to rescue a doctor and feed him an invisibility pill. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, crazy shit, right? Like, again, just more things that, like, not very realistic helicopter flight simulator game. Uh, but anyway, you know, it's like, it's always about using the papers, and then if the papers go wrong using a grenade or, uh, sorry, the sleeping gas, or the, I guess the gas grenades also contain sleeping gas. Yeah, it's just long-range or short-range Okay, gas. got it. Yeah, yeah. So you're just putting people to sleep, uh, not harming them at all, because the explosives, uh, which you don't have any in the first two missions, are really only used for when you need to actually explode the various missile control rooms. So what are we doing here, folks? Uh, you know, I can understand the the randomness uh, of things and the time limit of things, maybe from like an espionage standpoint of like, you know, the experience is never the same or like, you know, but you're also crunched for time. I don't understand the lack of clues and briefing that would be required to do this correctly. Uh, You know, some kind of deduction for this expert spy um, (laughs) who goes by the name of Jimbo baby, uh, which is again, like not a name that you would give yourself, not necessarily a name that like a spy would go by, but here we are anyway. Jimbo Baby has decided that um, the only way to defeat these missions is to be a spy with the ability to hit a reset button because that's essentially what you have to be be doing is that like you learn from your past playthroughs and you travel through time and you go back to the part where now you realize that with 10 minutes again, I can do it right this time. You're not some type of, um, you know, we've been saying Solid Snake or... Hitman, like you're not that kind of spy. You're just a spy with the trick to, you know, replay missions. Which is just a default 
like thing about video games. Right, right. Yeah. Anybody can do that. <laughs> um also we we didn't talk about like one other element that like is I, I guess is almost barely worth mentioning because it really is insignificant anyways, but there's the mind detector. It's like a whole like section of the game before you get into the building where you're in a minefield. Oh, and I it seems like it could <laughs> be interesting. Yeah, I um but, I I know that Sorry, the no, that's fine. The minefield is something that I didn't even notice until like my third or fourth attempt in this walking path because I just kept going straight down, and there's only mines in like one screen. I feel like yeah, that's <laughs> that's my that's what I mean. It's like the, I think it is just the one screen, and the mine detector. All you just need to do is hold A while holding the mine detector, and then you can't get hit by mines. They'll just appear when you when you walk over them. So it's all—it's—it's not like there's a challenge, or the, you just got to remember, like when I'm in this spot, hold the mind detector, or else I'll probably blow up. So <laughs> it's like—I cool I don't know—it's just like it's not really gameplay. It's just like don't forget to equip the mind detector in this one spot of the game. Like this—the—the—the the, the, the menu of your items has five items. One of them is the mind detector, which you use for like a split second. It just feels so unbalanced. Yeah, and one of them is the explosives that you don't even use in the first level. Yeah. So. Infiltrator on the NES is actually Infiltrator 2 the next day, which is a funny uh, subtitle for a game. <laughs> I like that as if like, you know, he did this crazy mission in the first game and now the very next day he's got another crazy mission with the Mad Leader. But because the original was never released on the NES, uh, they used the sequel, which is interesting, right? But to use the sequel and then just call it Infiltrator uh, you know, that's some Final Fantasy bullshit like, that we were talking about in the um, Genghis Khan episode, too, Sean. It's just funny how many times these things happen, but then other times, some games will just jump right to using the, the sequel and just being like, yeah, the original was only in, like, arcades or on computers. Like, you just you just play the sequel. It's fine. You don't need to know. But this time, at least, I feel like this is appropriate. Call it the first game because it is the first game to probably most audiences, and then who cares about what happened in the first one or the previous day? This is all about what's happening in this game. Computer Gaming World awarded uh, this game when it first released on computers zero stars and described it as even worse than the original. <laughs> well, from what I was seeing, like it, it's almost identical. So I really wonder what they what, what they did to make it worse. Well, because originally it was on a computer, right? <laughs> No, no. Well, well you know, both the, were on the second computer, one would have yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Before the before it switched over, so you're not even talking. about The review was not talking about the NES version. It was just talking no. about the second one. Yeah, it's well, very hard to tell the difference. Um, I I don't know to be honest, like what what the differences are. I didn't uh I didn't have any of the compute. Like I I wasn't gonna try to boot up on an Apple II or an Atari Eight. <laughs> uh, I think they were called Atari Eight. Uh, they're eight bit Atari systems. Um, I didn't have anything like that. Oh no, it's Atari 400, I think. See, they always gave weird numbers to these Atari systems. Yeah, you had the Atari I've, I've 2600, never... which was a home console, but then the Atari 400 is a computer, and it's like, is the 400 like that many times less powerful <laughs> than the console? <laughs> I, I never thought too hard about it. Right, and uh. This was one of the games that got a Worlds of Power novelization through Scholastic Books. So unlike um, the baseball game that we just had recently, um, what was that game? Bases Loaded 2, uh, the second season. 
unlike that, which had no lore whatsoever, at least this time they had plenty to work oh, with yeah. with Jimmy uh Jimbo Baby. Um so yeah, I guess like if there's one Worlds of Power book I'd be interested in reading, it's the expanded version of what I read in this manual. Yeah, if for no other reason than like I f- I forgot the the developer of this even though it's on the first screen. He seemed to be really into whatever he wrote. <laughs> Are you talking about Chris Chris Gray Enterprises? Yes, Chris Gray and his brother who did some art, I guess. And sometimes that works. Sometimes all you need, we've seen it, is you just need a guy or two guys working on a game and doing impressive stuff. Uh, I, I don't see it here. I don't see the impressive <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it does actually, though, make me feel a little more guilty for ripping this game apart. Just be like, oh, I know the guy's name. He's right there on the screen, the poor guy. <laughs> it's okay. He's not listening. Well, if he is listening, he has to listen to our final judgments as if our minds weren't made up already in our final segment, the essential games list. I think I have been very cruel to infiltrator the helicopter simulator in this episode because to be honest if we're thinking about any kind of flight simulation on a on a console like this it's pretty impressive that uh they're doing all of these uh i guess i'm not uh, a technical wizard or anything but i guess like geometrical calculations and stuff like that or at least like keeping track of enough things to make it feel plausible obviously there's some helicopter simulator out today that blows this thing out of the water but it's pretty complicated for what it is, and I feel like to design all that and then just make it one element of the game when they could have done so much more with that idea, this almost feels like, um, you know, if Pilot Wings was also just, uh, you know, the Super Nintendo launch game, if that was like, yeah, you know, you can learn how to fly all these different things or play all these fun mini games, but it's also incredibly complicated to do any of that. Like, no, they, you know, they're not trying to teach you how to fly something with a d-pad and two buttons but here they are and i feel like that soured me but when i think about the actual gameplay of the dog fighting or the lack thereof if you can crack the id codes or the uh espionage of the ground missions or the lack thereof if you just happen to show your papers to the guy there's just a lot of like non-game happening in this video game there's just a lot of like passing the time in these timed missions to do absolutely nothing because you might not even be in the correct building. How can I put this on the essential games list? It's a no for me, Sean. Yeah. I, I also feel like we've, we've been much louder about the bad than we have been been about the good because yes, I will, I will second that. This is still an impressive game, especially by, uh, by a single person like this Chris Gray, I I feel like is cut from the same cloth as Will Wright, who we played a game earlier in the podcast called Raid on Bungling Bay. It's still one of my, like my favorite weird experiences. And it also centered around flying a helicopter around. Um, And they both seem to have ideas that are way beyond the game they're capable of making. Like, Infiltrator tries to be so big and do so much and give you the full spy experience, written by a guy that doesn't know how spies work. Um, 
in the same way that Will Wright tried to make the everything game with Spore and kind of failed miserably, even though it's still kind of cute and fun in some ways. It This game has a lot of character, and I will always remember playing this game just by how weirdly executed it was. Um, but it was also kind of poorly executed. So yeah, not on the essential games list. Joe. Yeah, I'll keep it I'll keep it short, but I, I do think this is definitely a case of too many ideas and not enough like direction and polish. Uh yeah, I mean it's impressive if one guy did this, like but it does not translate to a, a fun game. Um so I'm Chris, I'm really sorry, but uh I will not be putting this on my essential games list. Oh, okay. I, I, I was totally lost there for a minute, but yes, I know who Chris is now. Uh, Chris Gray. Not our producer, yeah. Chris. Not, right, not right. Chris producer. Yeah, or just some guy who, um, you know, like told Joe, like, hey, my name's Chris, and if you don't put this on the essential game, yeah. then you were like, oh, you don't have to tell me your name every time you talk to me. Yeah, yeah we've been friends forever, Chris right. Gray. <laughs> Next week, another shot at the essential games list for a game known as Kings of the Beach, um, which I can only imagine is some kind of uh, sandcastle building simulator um, or or lack thereof, maybe. But no, it's a volleyball game. We're going to have a great time. We love sports games. Uh, Joe, say we love sports games. I can't. Okay, Sean, I I know you can do it. We love sports games. Great. And that'll be in the trailer for uh, this season's (laughs) of Nostalgia. So that's great. We got that. what else do we want to get in the trailer? Um, you know, we got 400, 400 something more games to go. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, we're almost at actually around 400 number, which is nice. Um, won't you feel better once we have like 399 left? Uh, That's less than 400. It is less than 400, but I don't think that should be a benchmark, you know? Well, what if we don't know. What if they, what if they make more? Like they might, we're not sure they're done making <laughs> NES games. You so joke. We're gonna have to like, but we're catch not. Up with them. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, Joe. but those aren't official. Yeah. You know, they won't be official. No, but what if Nintendo is like, actually, here you go. All right, then we're going to change the intro to the show to be, uh, like, just add in the first run of every NES oh, right. game. Yeah, because we refuse to do even one more over the 673. No, that's when my contract huh. ends. Yeah, my that's indentured true. contract. <laughs> uh, that's it. Signed while I was drunk with Mike. Yeah, I, I I always get people to sign contracts while they're drunk. That's the best time to get a contract signed. 